1: line friends. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. Once again, we're going across the pond to speak with a phenomenal guest. She is also a host of a podcast called Cat Mast Chronicles, and she has a phenomenal cat sitting business called Chatty Cats Care. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here, your host on Best Bets for Pets and Catitude. Ben and Jerry's has frozen treats for dogs. I know Nikki is going to love this. He loves a frozen treat. They have two different flavors. One is Punch's Mix, which is peanut butter and pretzel. And the other one is Rosie's Batch, which is pumpkin and mini cookies. You know, I kind of like both of those flavors, too, but my absolute favorite is fish food. Anything Ben & Jerry's is always fabulous because the quality is so good and their mixes are so delicious. Be sure to check out more about these frozen dog desserts as well as pictures of all the caniners at the Ben & Jerry's Vermont office at BenJerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: everyone i'd like to introduce michelle adams the host of cat mass chronicles podcast and the owner i believe of chatty cats care pet setting business so welcome michelle thank you thank you for having me michelle i'm so excited to chat with you lately we've had some wonderful guests from the uk you guys are just so knowledgeable about cats (laughs) it's been a lot of fun
0: Oh, I'm glad to hear it. It's so nice to connect over the pond, as you say, with people from the U.S. i never really had this chance before, so it's amazing to connect um, with you guys and and talk about cats and share our experiences.
1: Yes, absolutely. So how did you get started
0: in, you know, your love for cats? Well, <laughs> it's been a long time. I've pretty much grown up around cats most of my life, to be honest. And it was my grandma who had cats. Unfortunately, I didn't have a cat in my home with my mother, but I'd spend a lot of time at least two days a week at my grandma's house throughout my whole childhood. Um, And she had cats. So I grew up with them. And because I was kind of like an only child, I have a sister, but she's a lot older than me. She's 14 years older than me. So I always wanted a sibling who was like my age to play with. And the cats sort of um, became my siblings and I really grew to, to love and care for them so much. Um, and they'd always been like a part of my life and my family kind of raised me to respect and love animals. So they've always been a huge part of my life and I could never imagine life without them, to be honest. That's really charming.
1: And I like the fact that your parents, that you mentioned that your parents taught you to respect animals at an early age because there's a lot of households where there's pets, but parents don't do a good job of teaching their two-legged kids to respect their four-legged kids. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I think maybe sometimes it comes to lack of knowledge of the adults and cats because if a family you know decided to get a cat they may not have had experience with cats themselves so they have no idea how to really raise a cat themselves let alone you know teach their children how to be respectful of cats so when i work in different households and if i cuz i work as a nanny as well so i work in childcare so my kind of specialty areas are children and cats. So I'm the kind of best person to really ask or, or teach people how to, how to teach their children to better understand pets. And, you know, children are very excited. So all they want to do is to play with the cats. And they sort of, view, I guess, view cats and dogs as toys. And, you know, they're not, they're living beings. So it's really about teaching them to understand that and to not pick them up all the time, to not bother them, to kind of teach children and to, you know, help them to gain awareness when an animal is distressed through you know body language or for example hissing you know a cat might not like that they'll hiss and then a child will understand to not do that or teach them how to pet the pet gently you know pet the cat or dog in a gentle manner not rough and not on the opposite side because some children as well they'll stroke the cat or the dog in the wrong direction and that can be quite irritating for the animal as well. So, Michelle, tell me, you have
1: a really successful pet sitting business. I think it's only cats, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So we do occasionally look after dogs, but it is majority cats because, as you know, cats and dogs are completely different. They have so many different needs. Um, And as much as I love, I adore dogs as well, there is a lot more to do with dogs. You need to take them for walks. They're a lot needier than cats. You kind of need to be the, be with them quite a lot. And at the time when I started the cat sitting company, I just didn't have time. I didn't have the time to be able to commit and give to dogs. So I knew that looking after cats solely would be much easier and also a lot of people who are on my cat sitting team also have other jobs so they're teachers, they're students, they're working in the office, they're musicians So it's great for them because it's very flexible. So we either have dropping visits where, you know, we'd have a pet sitter drop in in the morning and feed the cat and then return again in the evening. So they have that quite a a large space of time as well where they could go to their other job or you know get on with their daily tasks so and with a dog I believe you know when we did look after dogs in the past it was pretty much a full-time thing where we had to be there quite a lot Um, we'd walk the dogs at least twice three times a day and they kind of I guess I sensed that they needed more companionship. So it was harder to to kind of leave them alone. Whereas cats, I would say they're much more independent.
1: Absolutely. So before I ask you about some tips, because tips for looking for a cat sitting business, whether you're in the UK, the USA, Canada, just about anywhere, there are certain, I think, standard tips and standard things you want to look for. I would like to know if you have any interesting cat-sitting stories you can share with
0: us. Any interesting cat-sitting stories? Something funny. (laughs) There's so many funny stories. It's hard to pick one. Let me think. Okay, there's one that I can think of. So there's a cat that we look after. It's an Abyssinian cat. So they sort of look, so they originate from Africa. They sort of look like phoenix foxes. They're quite small, but they have a very elegant look about them. And they're originally from Africa. So we have this breed here in the UK. So we have a cat called Gabby, who we look after. Um, he recently got a sibling, another Abyssinian cat, and her name is Lily. They're so different in character Um, and it was very hard for both of them to get used to each other because Lily was, um, well, her owners got her during the lockdown in London and Gabby was there with the household for about just over a year, I would say. I started to look after him, to cat sit him around two years ago. And then you know, when I heard that they were getting a new addition, I thought, oh, how is Gabby going to take this? Because he's just used to being the only cat and having all of the attention. So I gave lots of advice to the owners about how they could slowly introduce the cats to each other um, without distressing each other too much. And they finally worked it out in the end. However, when I cat-sit for, when I went to cat-sit, after both of them were there uh, in the house, Gabby, the cat who'd been there the longest, was behaving so very differently towards me, um, almost very territorial. um, And he'd be very annoyed if I wouldn't, greet him first so he was like the king of the household and he'd get very annoyed if you were to greet his sister Lily first he wouldn't like it um, and he'd hiss quite a lot at her but it was strange because I looked after them for quite a long period of time during the summer um, last year and um, I watched them kind of grow closer together, which was really nice. But the funny story is, so they have a catio. So most of the cats that we look after are actually indoor cats. But a lot of people here in the UK have catios. Sometimes outdoor space is quite rare for people in the city. They just have balconies or terraces, as we call them. Um, so people get special netting to put up outside on their um, terrace so that their cats cannot escape over it, but they can still get the the outdoor space. But there's the tiniest little gap in the netting. And Gabby's very, he's a very, very clever cat. I don't know if all of the the kind of breed of this cat is like this, but he's not, I wouldn't say calculated, but in a way he is because it was like he knew and he watched every move and he just waited for the perfect opportunity to escape. So he did escape. He managed to somehow climb through this little tiny gap in the netting and ended up on the roof. So my partner and I, we often cat sit together actually. So he was helping me as we were trying to lure Gabby back in with different cat treats and bells Yeah, at that point as well, I'd already, you know, told the owners what had happened and they said this had happened to them before and that it took three hours for them to finally get him back. So they have like this special camera where you can speak through the camera. So they were making lots of bird noises. I was rattling toys. Like if anybody could see us, like any neighbors, they think, "What on earth is going on here? Why can I hear bird noises, and why is this girl shaking a bag of cat treats and calling?" But it was so funny because we finally managed to get him back, and this was around 10 p.m. at night, and we had to be somewhere early the next day. But my partner, because he so there was two doors to the terrace, and he'd be outside the other one trying to to get the cat back in I finally got him in and closed the door But what my partner forgot to do was close the other door. So, of course, he was in and then back out around to the other door and then back on the roof again. So he didn't actually come in until midnight. So it was just a long evening of trying to get him back. Finally, he came back because it rained and he really hates water. So he came just darting back into the house and um, yeah, we learned from that lesson to keep a very watchful eye on him
1: <laughs> because he was very sneaky. I looked up Abyssinian. I'm sure we have them here. We have all oh, okay. kinds of cats here. Beautiful yeah. cat. Beautiful cat. They're clever sometimes, aren't they? How they get into stuff. And my favorite, but it's not merely a favorite, is if I leave the closet door open. I have a really long walk-in closet with way too much stuff. And I'll look, you know, to one side and all of a sudden see something moving and just scare the heck out of myself. They're just so clever, you know? They hide in the strangest places.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I guess the the name cat burglar, that comes to mind. Exactly. (laughs) So let's talk about
1: what are some good cat sitting tips for pet parents if they are, you know, either looking for a cat sitter and also what to expect and what not to expect. I think this this kind of information is universal for anyone pretty much.
0: Exactly. So I'll tell you a bit about what I do, which I believe is probably a very, a very good method actually. And, and it should be helpful for people who are looking for a cat sitter. So, you know, on my website, I have, I have listed everything kind of like that, somebody who wanted to book cat sitting would need to know. So, you know, what's expected, you know, what to expect with the service, what we do, what we offer, our experience with um, different breeds of cats, um, with elderly cats, with cats that need medication. I think it's important to kind of understand or, or to, to research that the person who is looking after your cat has experience with, you um, for example, administering medication, because um, I now have experience with um, giving cats insulin, with injections, um, pills, um, with food, but also orally. And that's something quite important. So when I'm recruiting for cat sitters, I try to find out the extent of their experience as well. And often, you know, I, I only really recruit other cat sitters that have that experience with cats so um, that it wouldn't really require too much training and they feel very confident within themselves and I think that puts um, a client's mind at ease as well knowing that their, their, their cat is being looked after especially if they have a medical condition. Secondly is like insurance to make sure that, you know, the person has pet insurance, they're covered. My pet insurance is very good. So it's covered with all health kind of needs and issues, Um, the vet bills. Even if, for example, a key is lost or left in a house, the insurance that I have covers a locksmith um, to come to the house. It also, which quite impressed me, covers, say, for example, a, a client is in a different country on vacation. It actually covers their flight costs back if they need to come back home for an emergency situation with their pet. The insurance that your company holds,
1: yeah, yeah. So I thought that was amazing. I don't know if we have that good as in- of insurance in the US, but I know that something common is to make sure that your pet sitter is bonded.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. It's so important because you never know what could happen. Personally, haven't I haven't experienced any situations where I've needed to use it, but it's always good have that anyway especially in terms of health care if a cat is very poorly and you know you want the client to feel at ease as well so that even though they're in a completely different country we're able to help cover you know any veterinary costs and any transport and things like that which um, definitely puts their mind at ease another thing we do is we make sure that we, at the moment, we can't personally meet and greet people because of the COVID restrictions, but we were doing this pre-COVID. We'd visit the client at their home and meet them personally, physically, before the pet sitting began, so that they you know, know us, they're familiar with us, and that we could meet their cat and they get to show us around their home and where the food is kept and the litter tray, et cetera. At the moment, we're doing this virtually. So we're having Zoom um, calls with them and they get to kind of show us around and we'll meet their pet virtually if, if their cat is around which is nice I, it's not the same so I'm looking forward to it going back to um, being able to, to, to mix in households but at the moment we're just um, doing everything virtually and that's very important because I think it's important for a client as well to have put their mind at ease so that they can meet the person who will actually be coming into their home and, and looking after their cat.
1: Okay, we're going to take a short break. I have one more question for you about cat sitting. And then we'll talk about your podcast. So we'll be right back after this break. Hey everybody, Michelle Byrne here. You know when you have dogs and cats living in your house, there's always a time when you have to be a detective. You know, find out who left the present on the rug, who chewed up your new shoes, or who ripped open that bag of chips on the counter. Well, as a detective, I've discovered June's Journey. It's a fun new game where you search for hidden objects to solve a murder mystery. I've even found clues that were dogs, cats, birds, and other animals. With new chapters every week, June's Journey is a wonderful way to keep my memory and observation skills sharp. And hey, it's fun racking up those points. Join the 30 million fans worldwide and download June's Journey free to your phone or tablet on the Apple app or Google Play Store today.
0: Let's Talk Pets.
1: Let's Talk Pets. On a-
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio. dot Pet com.
1: <laughs> Welcome back everyone. We're talking to Michelle Adams from the UK and we're talking about her Chatty Cats Care, her cat pet sitting business, and then we're going to talk about her podcast Cat Mass Chronicles. So here's my last question on cat sitting. What should a pet parent, we talked about what a pet parent should expect. What should they not expect? Also known as your peeves like unreal expectations of a pet parent well
0: you can vent this is your venting time. (laughs) okay so you know we've had people in the past and of course you know cats are are so important to us and they're almost like you know, our children, in a sense, you feel the same as you would a child. You feel worried if you're leaving them with a new person. But sometimes, so I do have some clients who who do get quite worried. It's understandable if it's a first booking. But I guess after a while, it's quite difficult if a client um, continuously kind of wants lots and lots and lots of updates during the day, especially if they've only kind of booked for drop-in visits so we offer different services so there's like an overnight service and that means that we can kind of be there with their cat all the time I I recommend this service to cats who need extra attention or cats that may have you know anxieties and may not like being alone or we have just the daily drop-in services So I think, you know, I've listed everything on the website of what should be expected with each service. So if it is just the drop-in services that they kind of have booked, then sadly, you know, it's difficult when they expect more or expect more than just the drop-in visits. Because we do a lot anyway. As a service, I don't really have a minimum time to spend with cats. So I, I don't charge per hour, which is what a lot of other cat sitting companies do. We actually have, for example, so sometimes we have a 30 minute minimum time. But say, for example, a client has booked two times a day, two visits a day, I may visit 30 minutes in the morning. But then in the evening, I could spend one to even five hours sometimes up to five hours with a pet. And I don't charge any extra for that, because I feel like, it's my duty as a carer, but also a cat lover to give the cats that extra attention and not pay for it. But of course, if, if a pet sitter or if one of my cat sitters is unable to spend that amount of time, it's completely understandable. But we do try to go above and beyond as much as we can. And sometimes I think because we do that and because I say this, then people have higher expectations um, of what they should kind of receive even if they're just paying for a drop-in visit. Okay let's talk about I think
1: that is great information and you know even though you're based in the UK and you're not branched out to the USA yet with your cat sitting business there's a lot of you know great information for pet owners here of uh, for. Yeah for when they're looking for a cat sitter let's talk about your podcast so what made you decide to start cat Mast chronicles
0: yeah so it's actually called the cat must stay chronicles um michelle so a bit like, Sorry. Um, <laughs> so like stay. okay yeah so it's a play on the word namaste Namaste. Okay. Namaste. Yes. That's yoga. Exactly. Exactly. So
1: now today, because it's been crazy Friday. Okay. Kat- <laughs> oh, I love that.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's called the Cat Day Chronicles because I like to practice yoga, but not as often as you think. <laughs> But I, I wanted to create a podcast about well-being and I love yoga and I love that it is about well-being and I love that they give thankfulness at the end by saying the word namaste. So I wanted to create a word that kind of fit with cats and thankfulness and well-being. So Catmas Day just sprang to mind. I created it actually during the lockdown, the first lockdown period in the UK that we had here. And it was just a way really to keep connected with people and keep connected with our followers, our clients, and to build a community of of cat lovers as well, because um, my business hasn't been really operating for Well, like it used to for, you know, over a year now. So it's been very hard and difficult. It's been very detrimental for a lot of small business owners in the UK here. And even now, my business hasn't really picked up yet because of the restrictions. So... For my own well-being, actually, (laughs) not that it was a selfish venture, but it actually did help myself, it helped me as well um, to create the podcast. But also when I, you know, I had no expectations of this, you know taking off as it did i thought maybe i'd get like 5 or 10 listeners and now like you know we get so many downloads and i i can't believe that people actually tune in like it's just an amazing feeling and i get so many great guests on the show as well like it's been amazing meeting people
1: i i know how you feel i started <laughs> i took over catitude from the original show host in okay. 2017 and it blew my mind how many listeners and how much it affects people and how many comments yeah. I receive and how many people I've been in touch with with different things. Our shows are definitely different because mine is totally focused on cats and yours is yeah. cats and well-being. But I think there there's a lot of ears out there. So there's always room for another podcast, you know? Absolutely always room okay here's another something else I want to ask you do you think
0: there's from what you know because I don't even know if you have you ever traveled to the U.S. I've only traveled once and it was a quite a long time ago I went to LA okay
1: I used to live in LA it's funny <laughs> how the U.S. is so different the states are all so different yes But overall, from what you've read or heard over the years, do you think there's a big difference between USA cats and UK
0: cats? I do, I do, Michelle. Because actually, um, a lot of people that we have, a lot of our clients are actually expats, and a lot of people actually previously lived in America. Or I get people who are U.S. citizens and they're here just on a work visa, or they're here just for a small amount of time, and they have cats here, or they've brought their cats with them, which I think is amazing. So I've looked after quite a lot of cats who are from the U.S. who are here temporary for a temporary amount of time, or or here long-term now, because a lot of people have rescued cats from the US that now live in the UK. And I've noticed that the cats from the US are so big they're so much bigger than the cats that we have here. It like, is big in the US. So big. Yeah, it's true. Because even when I visited like the food, you know, it's so so much bigger than, than we have here in the UK. Like we have such tiny, like little roads and streets, and we have tiny little portions of food. And then in the US, it like it blew my mind. I absolutely loved the trip there and I'd love to return again. But yeah, it's so big. It's so funny to to work with some of the Cats from the US, actually, because they're like little gentle giants, some of them. They're so. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: interesting. I hadn't heard that before. And I have been fortunate. I'm, I haven't made it to the UK yet, but I've been to several countries in Europe. And I've even um, had a chance to go to Australia and New Zealand in the past. And I know in Europe, everything's very small, you know, as far as, you know, streets and I didn't see a huge difference from portion, but I know what you mean, because there's there's some places where myself and my husband, we just share something because the portions are crazy big.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, it doesn't make sense. But I did not realize that our cats are so big. Uh, do we maybe we overfeed them here?
0: I don't know what it is because they're not necessarily fat. They're just really tall as well. They're really just big. They look like, you know, they're, they're evolutionized somehow domestic cats. I don't know how. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Especially
1: the main Coons. They're huge. Oh, yes. And Dennis, my very first cat, he's part Maine Coon and he's, he's big I mean he has a lot of hair but he's big but some of the Maine Coons are huge he's not huge because he's only part but some are you know like over two feet long if you're holding Uh maybe three feet they're huge they
0: are especially when they jump wow they're beautiful though very beautiful gorgeous cats any other differences that you've noticed not really I guess yeah they eat more as well maybe that's because they're so big I don't know I've I've noticed that they, they do kind of eat very quickly actually there's two cats that we look after and they were from New York um their owner she moved back well she didn't she was living in, I forgot where she moved from before but she lived in New York for some years and then she's moved to the UK probably want to say for five years now and she brought back the two rescue cats from new york and i'm not sure if if it if they eat quickly because they were previously street cats but they eat so fast faster than like most cats that i know because most cats in the uk though i don't know i've noticed that they eat a little bit they'll go away from the food bowl come back eat a little bit more But the cats that were from New York, they just, you know, eat something so quickly. You'd be shocked. You know, I've never seen it before. I have three cats that are indoor and then two
1: that are outdoor are, we take care of them as much as we can, but we can't separate them because the, the female part of that partnership, she would not do well indoors. So they have a house, they have all this stuff. So of these cats, all of them were rescues and They all eat super fast. Yeah. So even the indoor ones, they eat quickly. My, I mean, my youngest one, she gobbles it up and she's gone. And (laughs) they leave some of the, they wet and dry. They leave some of the dry and they'll come back and like nibble as the day goes on, you know, out of each other's bowls.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's because they maybe previously had to kind of get food quickly if they were, you know, on the streets or... Or whatever situation they were in before, maybe they have that trauma of, of not being able to get the food quick enough. So their, their instinct is to just eat as quickly as possible before you know, another, another cat eats their food very
1: possible the only other thing I've noticed and this was from a show that I did from with um a cat behaviorist in the UK that I really like Anita is her
0: name Anita yes Anita I love her she's coming onto my podcast soon she's wonderful and her books are fabulous I know I know
1: I've read her books she's great she calls cats mugs yeah.
0: Mogs. Yeah.
1: You know, I asked another person from the UK and she said, nope, that must be from either Northern or Southern. Yeah.
0: Um, Do you know what? Um, It is, it does sound like a Northern thing because in London, I mean, I've heard it before, but it's not really something we would say. And if I was to say a moggy cat, I'd I'd kind of be referring to a female cat. I don't know why I put a gender on it, but... I don't know. Yeah. It's something like I a mug. I would think it's something related to
1: Harry Potter. So <laughs> I don't, I had not heard that before, but it's all throughout her books. I was asking her about that. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, you'll enjoy having her as a guest. So let's tell people where can they find your
0: podcast and information on Chatty cats care? Yeah, sure. So the podcast is on all, you know, major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple podcast, Audible, um, radio, uh, public, all of the the major kind of platforms that you can think of. And it's the Cat Mass Day Chronicles. And then our Chatty Cats Care website, I mean, it could still be interesting for people that live in the US, because even though you may not be booking um, pet sitting, I still try to put um, quite interesting information on there. So we'll have like blog posts about cats, uh, different information about cats. So, you know, it may still be interesting. And it's at www.chattycatscare.co.uk. And yeah, people can find us on there as well.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing all of this wonderful information. Thank uh, you. We wish you major success and I'm with you. I'm I'm hope, glad that this COVID business is hopefully coming to the end. It's yeah. we're recording this in spring 2021. We've had a year of it and we're we're done, right? We want this to be done
0: definitely. I'm done I'm waiting for I'd love to spend some more time with cats I miss them so much I miss walking around without a mask I miss lips yeah me too
1: I miss that you know me too me too um, well thank you again Michelle thank you so much thank you I hope that was an interesting show for you I love when I have guests from other countries it's always interesting to learn you know how much even though we're so different we're also a lot the same you know So thank you so much to my guest, Michelle Adams, for coming on Catitude. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guest sound wonderful. And he does that for all of you listening. So you have a pleasant experience listening to all of our shows. And I want to give a big shout out to everyone listening to Catitude Thank you so much. And a special little thanks to my cat crew, which is Molly and Charlotte and Dennis and Sammy and Jethro. So just remember, it's not about attitude. It's about catitude. Talk to you soon.
0: Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on
1: PetLifeRadio.com.